Hello everyone and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the nightmare season is finally over. We have quotes and reactions from the final game of the season, locker cleanout, and so much more inside today's show. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 606 of Lockdown Canadians. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. And in the background, if you hear a dog or a cat, I apologize. All the animals in the household to say decided they needed to act up and make their voices heard on this podcast as well. I am joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, if the Canadians were going to end the season on any kind of note, it's a two-game winning streak when they finish 32nd overall, including a 10-2 win over the Florida Panthers, which is just mind-boggling fun stuff to end the year. Absolutely. And honestly, I'm going to say this, and people make fun of me, but I thought about it. I like going to the last game of the year if I can, because they do fun prizes and things like that. You know, it's it's just an entertaining time, right? And I thought about it a few weeks before, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to so many halves games this year. I got to go to a bunch in the fall, and then I got I got to go to a couple, you know, uh, when they came back and or when they started allowing fans into the arena, including the Gila Fleur game. So I was just like, no, I don't need to go to that. And then I kind of really regretted it <laughs> in the moment because it was such a good game, and to like witness Cole Caulfield's first uh, NHL hat trick and and the standing ovation that the fans gave, and and you know when when Brendan Gallagher and Samuel Montembeau and Cole Caulfield address the crowd like that would have been a great feeling uh but it was a really good it was a really good way to end the season for the fans and potentially for Carey Price which I know we'll talk about later but it was fun you know it ended on a high note and you can't say enough about the attitude that they had during that game and I I look at this game and Caulfield had his hat trick and with that he finished second in rookie goal scoring, one behind Tanner Janot of uh, Nashville, finished sixth in overall points, one point behind Anton Lindell for the top five. And given that he had, like, what was it, eight points under Dominique Ducharme before Martin St. Louis was hired, and then he had a whole mess of them the second half of the season under Martin St. Louis, it's really truly impressive what Cole Caulfield has done this year. Quietly in that game, Nick Suzuki hit 40 assists on the year. Jordan Harris got his first pro goal. Like, we're talking about Caulfield's hat trick. Jordan Harris got his first professional goal in that game to open the scoring in that. It's like you said, it was a very fun game. And I I have to feel real bad for Jonas Johansson, who was activated to play in this game because they were resting Spencer Knight, who had played the night before. Obviously, Sergei Bobrovsky is not going to play before the playoffs. And the dude just got lit up because the team in front of him, there were two players on the Panthers bench that didn't even play in this game because they needed to dress a lineup. And this is what they did. It's, it sucks, but I understand it. It's, it's a very good way to go out though. I think there were like one or two people maybe in this game that didn't get a point overall. 
And it's not often that you are the worst team in the NHL and you put up the second most goals on the year in a game behind the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins who put up 11 on the Red Wings, I think it was, which uh, says a lot. If they were ever going to go out, I'm glad they went out with Jeff Petrie having a two-goal game, a strong effort against uh, New York. Mike Hoffman ended the year on a strong note. And then Cole Caulfield ends on a hat trick. It's not the season any of them wanted, but they're going out on a note that says, yeah, we're still talented enough that we are going to get better. We are not going to be this bad next year, which is maybe a little unfortunate because Connor Bedard rules, but like, if you're going to go out, send the fans, fans home happy. Tyler Pitlick scoring the 10th goal of that game and the arena erupting in Guy Lafleur chance is its a great moment. It's the perfect send-off in a very bad season. Sure, the game didn't mean anything and Florida barely tried, but like he scored 10 goals in an NHL game. That's impressive stuff. That's fun. It's just, it's simply just a lot of fun, I think. And that's something that, we haven't had a lot of as fans and the team hasn't had a lot of it just it felt like you could you felt the joy on the ice right like that was the thing is that you felt the joy on the ice and that kind of translates to joy across the fan base and it's true that florida didn't try all that hard but i mean they still played really well they ended up putting 39 shots on carrie price you know what i mean it's not like they didn't try at all um i just i felt that the the Habs really felt the weight of that moment, I think. And, you know, after the game, a lot of them talked, including um, uh, Marty San Louis, were, they were talking about how, you know, they believed in, in higher forces or the whatever they were talking about in French. I'm trying to translate it, higher powers and stuff like that. It did seem very fitting that it was 10 goals, 10 minutes, all of that. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of that at play. I think hockey is a very superstitious sport, but even if if you're not superstitious it's fun to see that like it's just it's just it's just a good fan experience i think we we've talked a lot on the show especially during the playoff run last year where the ghosts of the forum seemed to have made their way to the bell center finally and like the run was it it almost seemed supernatural and then everything right down to the actual Guy Lafleur tribute game against the bruins where they scored on their 10th shot with this much time left and this happened. And then in this game, they scored 10 goals against the Florida Panthers. Sometimes it all just kind of works out like that. And I'm not the most superstitious guy. I'm a little stitious because who among us isn't as sports fans. I, I am very glad that if this was some of those players last game in Montreal, whether they're being traded, whether they are retiring, whether they are just signing somewhere else in the off season, they got to go out hearing a building that raucous after a year that has been so awful and terrible across the board. They saw what it is to be successful in Montreal, to see what happens when the Bell Center roars to life. Cole Caulfield has been a part of a lot of big moments in his very short NHL career. And to cap off you know, this season with a hat trick and all these guys to have a moment, and especially for Carey Price, in his 700th start, Gets a win, his first of the season after missing 74 games or 78 games or whatever the hell it was. It's a grand moment for a grand team. And they they were not good this year. We're not going to make excuses, but I'm never not going to root for the moments like we saw on Saturday. Friday night, Friday night, not Saturday night, Friday night, because of course it was on Friday night. It was special. I wish I could have been there to see that. I, I truly am uh, just moved by how passionate this fan base was even after a bad season and everything that's happened 
They packed the place. They made noise. And they made this team feel loved where some other fan bases, you look at what's happening in Philadelphia right now and lockout clean out. The vibes are not great compared to Montreal where they see a light forward there. And speaking of quotes and locker clean out and everything else, they had that on Saturday live through Twitch where our good friend Mark Dumont sat down with players afterwards. We have so many quotes and reactions to go over and that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is, of course, brought to you by BetOnline.net, and they're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can get all the latest developments across sports leagues with Major League Baseball in full swing. The NHL playoffs start this week. The NBA playoffs are still going strong. There's always a golf tournament, something going on. They are your best source for all wagering info, including live betting, esports, and more. So head to the website, that's BetOnline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so locker cleanout day is always a very interesting thing. And uh, programming note, because I decided on this because it has the most to go around to it, we are going to talk about carry prices and Jeff Petrie's comments in our last segment because there is a lot to potentially unpack there that impacts the immediate and long-term future of the Montreal Canadiens. But I guess we should start with the biggest thing is uh, that started Friday night. Friday night, they played on Friday, not on Saturday. All of my days are completely messed up because of this. Martin St. Louis said, you're likely to see me behind the bench next year uh, to RDS when he was on the air. And then Kent Hughes uh, says, it should be finalized soon that Martin St. Louis will return as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And it's probably the biggest no-duh of this entire season that Marty would return behind the bench. I'm very curious to see if they have avoided doing what they did with Dominique Ducharme, where they saw some short-term success and immediately hand out a long-term deal. But it's very clear. Martin St. Louis loves this. He was brought in to originally just get this team on track and get them through the season. And then something just clicks. The guys want to play for Martin St. Louis. Martin St. Louis wants to be there for the guys. I I'm it's still very weird to me that he is the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, but it also feels like just an absolute perfect fit. I agree. And all the, all the players were talking a lot about, you know, the, the things that they learned under him and the resurgence and Jeff Petrie's comments in particular, which I know we'll get to a little bit later. They're very illuminating about what was going on in the locker room. And they were talking a lot about, you know, uh, resurgence and all of that kind of stuff. And I think for me, the habits are the big difference, right? You're noticing better habits under Martin St. Louis. Um, and for whatever reason, like there were a lot of, there was a lot of dysfunction in the organization, not just at the coaching level, but the front office level as well. And this kind of, um, this, this brighter future part of it is like Martin St. Louis arriving, right? Like it wasn't just Jeff Gordon. It wasn't just Kent Hughes. It Martin St. Louis was a huge part of that as well. So I do think that, it's good for the players. It's good for the team. And it's exciting for me as a fan to see, you know, this rookie coach kind of develop and see how he gets better himself. Because a lot was made of the experience, that, like the experience he lacks. He literally lacks experience, right? So I think it's really interesting to watch his ups and downs as well, because it's not always going to be smooth sailing. Like he's going to learn lessons as well. And it's, you know, next year, the year after, these are the times to learn those lessons because they're your young team, you're rebuilding, you're retooling, like you have the opportunity to make those mistakes where in a contending year, you would not. So 
I think that that's really, really fun. And I, I just, I love what the players say about him and his demeanor around them. I like what he says behind, you know, after the, in the post games, I, I just, I find him to be a really fascinating person. I always looked at him as kind of one dimensional, right? Just like the small player that ended up finding a lot of success, but the way that he thinks about the game and the way that he talks about the game and the way that he's apparently, you know, coaching the game is very fascinated. It's, it's got a lot of depth to it. It's multi-layered. And I think we're hockey nerds. Uh, of which we will bring on many, many in, in the offseason. <laughs> We've got so many people in the Rolodex that we're going to start calling ASAP. Uh, I do think that, you know, for me, it, it just it's exciting to see us learn along with him what he can bring to the team. And that's the thing is next season is the next step in his education. It's like he's graduated from interim school to likely full-time coach. He says he's keeping the staff next year, which... I'm not totally sold on right now. I don't know if it's just that this season was just a wash and nothing went right. And eventually you just kind of go, let's just get through it. And then we revamp things in the off season. I don't really know. Uh, I do not think there was a long leash there uh, from Hughes and Gorton's point of view, as much as Martin saying that we might like Luke Richardson and might like uh, Alex Burroughs on there, but we will see on that. And then this kind of shifts things a little bit too. And we're going to talk about Shea Weber and the captaincy later on this week, because there is a lot to unpack with that on both sides of the arguments. And you talked about it with Andrew Berkshire on game over that Friday night. Uh, Ken Hughes confirms that Shea Weber will be at the wake at the bell center and attend Guy Lafleur's funeral on Tuesday. And he also said that there will be a new captain for next season because Shea Weber is highly unlikely to ever play again. And they're looking at options to trade that contract there. It's pretty much confirming what we've known since the offseason, but it's said now. There is not that elephant in the room. There is nothing else. It is Shea Weber's time as a Montreal Canadian is very likely at an end. Uh, he was put in a very volatile situation, one that he never asked to be put in as captain. And I think he did about as well as we could have hoped going through what seems like a number of extremely devastating injuries to help lead this team to a Stanley Cup final as its captain. And I think it's, you know, best that we're not prying into anything else beyond that. And then Hughes went on to describe Weber's situation too as complex, which in, involves insurance issues on his contract that they're not at liberty to discuss, which is uh, Ken Hughes' way of saying, uh, I'm not going to tell you because I'm a player agent. I would never do that kind of thing. It feels very weird that what feels like an era of the Canadians, the Mark Bergevin era of the Canadians really feels like it comes to an end when Shea Weber is, his contract is gone. He has traded, he is retired. He does this or that. It's a, it's a line in the sand that definitely seems to usher in that next generation of the Montreal Canadians, whoever may be the captain, whether it be Joel Edmondson or Nick Suzuki or Brendan Gallagher, or whomever, we will obviously discuss that, but it feels like that's the end of the era here. Like that 10 2 win, uh, Shea Weber being in attendance, him likely never playing again, it's definitely a changing of the guard now. Yeah. And, and Nick Suzuki was asked if he would want that captaincy, and he seemed to make it very clear that he felt that he was up to it um, and that, you know, he would be honored by that. And what I thought was most interesting was what Cole Caulfield said about that because they did their 
post game or sorry post season interview together, um, which I thought was absolutely adorable. Um, and uh, and just the way that Cole Caulfield talked about Nick Suzuki's leadership, um, and it's 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 obviously he's biased. They're like they seem to be the team BFFs, right? They've got a lot of chemistry on the ice. They've got a great friendship off the ice. So you know, but you wouldn't take it with a grain of salt if you listen to the words. And I think, you know. Whoever they decide, whoever they choose, I think the Canadians will do a good job. But Nick Suzuki seems to have a very clear understanding of the demands of that honor. It's it's quote unquote an honor. And in the past, it's seen like a burden in this market, which I I see and I understand. Um, and I think it's 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 exciting that uh, you know they're they're kind of turning a corner in, in terms of the leadership as well. And uh, again, we're going to get into the Jeff Petrie comments in the last segment, but there are so many things that he said that just jumped out at me that I wanted to to bring up. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought um, you know listening to listening to him speak or listening to Nick Suzuki speak, also listening to Jake Allen, the way that Jake Allen. Uh, carries himself the way that he talks I just I'm such a fan of this guy I you know I I just I I think he's he's awesome and I really really hope the Canadians keep him the way that he talks it's like he wants to be here for a long time too so um I you know I just I I I, the end of season media availabilities were quite interesting from uh seeing the management perspective of things and seeing the player perspectives of things. Cause a lot of them talked about the words, rebuilding, retooling, young team, all of that. They, they said a lot of words that made it clear that they understand that next season, it's not going to be that much better. You know, like maybe they'll have more fun, but the results won't be that much better. It, it feels like this team is very close knit. You don't go through an experience of whatever the hell this season was without coming out the guys who are left stronger than ever. And I, if Ben Chirot were still here, if Arturi Lekkanen were still here, if Brett Kulak were still here, I guarantee you they would all probably feel the same, that, hey, we have all you know gone through this. We are going to come out better than this. Jake Allen's talking about how he can take his game to another level, and he's like, I knew there was no doubt in my mind that Kerry is coming back this year. It's his net. You want to run through a brick wall for this team when you listen to them speak like that. And... We're going to find out a little bit more about some of the voices in the locker room, including the biggest one, number 31, on his immediate future and long-term future coming up next. But first, if you've been a part of this show for as long as we have 606 episodes worth, you know we love Built Bar. It's the best part of any morning for myself, any part of my hikes, anything, have them on the go. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate, so you can eat healthy. You don't get that weird, chalky nasty protein bar taste these taste like a dessert and they have all the things your body needs they're low in calories low in sugar low in net carbs chock full of protein and they also come in built puffs which are chocolate covered protein infused marshmallows it doesn't get any better than that and there's flavors for everyone so if you go to built.com you can check out things like banana cream pie raspberry double chocolate and so many more they're always adding new flavors so check them out at built.com when you do, put together your mixed box, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. So go check out Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order and let us know what you think. All right, so do we want to start with Jeff Petrie's uh, beef but not beef with Dominique Ducharme or do we want to talk about how Carrie Price uh, 
may have accidentally burned down the entire Canadians fan base here. Ah, uh, both actually. Um, I think let's start with Jeff Petrie. I, I do think. Sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say if we're gonna do that, um, the biggest thing is that he hasn't closed the door on staying here, and I think that's important. Uh, if you would ask me this back in February, I'd have been like, the minute he can get out of here, he's going to be gone. Uh, he wants to reflect on the season. He's going to discuss it, discuss it with his wife, who is now has a fourth kid on the way in an already insane household. And it's very likely his family would return to Montreal for this game next year. And there are a couple of quotes here that I'm going to read in order, uh, starting with Habs and High Heels. Habs, Jeff Petrie doesn't think there was a doubt Dominique Ducharme's system would work for an entire season. But what was frustrating to the players was the adjustments to the systems weren't being made when it was clear it wasn't working. Petrie Brown would say, I wouldn't say there was a personality conflict between us. And then he admits, and this comes from John Liu, he was speaking on behalf of his teammates in his public critiques of Dom Ducharme's system, but denies that they had a conflict. I was trying to relay the messages that I heard and the mood in the room. And my first thought with that is, oh my God, that the fact that this is not worse and that this team managed to still have some pretty good vibes and everything to end the year is stunning to me in that the we talk about losing the room and this and that I don't think Ducharme had the room this year when the things got bad and we look at the playoffs and I think a lot of that was Carey Price and Shea Weber potentially taking the reins and doing what they needed to but yikes that's that's a very harsh critique of you know, Dominique Ducharme there, an indictment of the entire situation. Like they, Hughes and Gordon said they weren't going to fire him. And I think they gave him as much leash as they could before they went, nope, we're done here. And I think that Petrie's quotes there say more than what's already printed there. And that's a lot. Yeah. And I think, you know, it takes a certain amount of courage to step up and, and sort of buck the line because everybody else was, was saying anything uh, that revealed anything to us about the mood in the room or how dissatisfied the players were. Uh, but now it's clear that he had completely lost the players. And we talked about it so many times, you know, some coaches, they just believe that their system is fine and the players are not executing it properly. Um, and that's fatal. I think, you know, you have to do adjustments and, and Jeff Petrie said the adjustments weren't coming. We talked about what he was relaying, what he was hearing in the room I understand that if you're a younger player or if you're a player in this market that kind of understands how things go, that you you won't you don't feel safe speaking up in the media and you don't feel you know it, it hockey's kind of that thing where you're like you have to be always in deference to your coach um, and and you know you can't you can't really necessarily be honest about a lot of things. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be nice about this, you know, like, I don't, I don't want um, it, like, it's possible that he was a perfectly nice guy. But the fact that he couldn't adjust and make them win was just the only thing that that was that was, um, you know, preventing them, right? Like, maybe they really liked him except for the system and stuff. So when you're having a really rough season, and you're not seeing a way out of it, and your coach isn't really helping you with that part of it, I think a, a lot of resentment builds. And so a lot of people kind of when when the coaching change happened, a lot of people pointed to Jeff Petrie and like he's being disrespectful or he's being classless or whatever. But I think it takes a lot of courage and it takes leadership, right? Like we when we talk about the leaders in this room, we don't usually bring up Jeff Petrie. We talk about Shea Weber. We talked about last year. We talked about Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, all of those people. We talk about Carey Price. You know, now we're talking about Joel Edmondson. We're talking about Nick Suzuki. We don't talk about Jeff Petrie, but that to me showed a lot of leadership, you know, 
if something's not working, there's no point in continuing to do it over and over again. And that was the thing is that like to us, it seemed that way as well. Like the fans as well. You could just a casual viewer would be like, why don't they change things? Anything, change anything. So the fact that he refound his game and I, I thought it was, it was really important. You know, he, he said that he's not closing the door and he made it very clear. You know, we're talking about, oh, there's familial issues at play and it made it turn into such a big deal. He has lots of children <laughs> um they're all like very close in age and they're all very young um and he said it himself you've seen the videos our house is a wild house right so like anybody can't do that kind of thing without support from family right and the fact that neither his family nor julie's family could visit them in canada at the time played a major factor in this right so like we made it seem like a huge thing whereas really she just needed help around the house that she wasn't getting so and 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 it compounds the fact that he was having a rough season and his family was away like that's the kind of thing where you come home and you you know you, you feel better with your family and he just he didn't have access to that so uh, the way that the canadians treated him in the second half of the season allowing him to see his family when they could and all of that i think that opened a lot of 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 possibilities for him to come the fact that he found his game again i don't think that jeff petrie is a number one defenseman in this league not especially not at his age but i think he's extremely good at what he does when he does it right and so why wouldn't you want that on this team yeah and it's it's a it's about resiliency is that a lot of people like we knew Jeff Petrie wasn't as bad as he was under Dominique Ducharme and to see him come back and have I think 21 points in this final 29 games is like yeah there's the Jeff Petrie that we know and that's the Jeff Petrie I want to keep here next year yeah he might not be a number one defenseman but you're gonna have a guy like Caden Gooley or an Alexander Romanov who can learn from him Jordan Harris even and they can learn from a guy who's been in the league a long time. He's been a Canadian almost 10 years at this point. Like 800 NHL games is nothing to sniff at. And I'm I'm really glad that, you know, hopefully things work out with his own personal life. Like you said, he's got three kids now, fourth on the way. He really couldn't see any of his family or Julie couldn't see her family. That's a lot. And like you said, when you're losing, it's a lot. And it's more than we might ever be able to know. And to kind of shift things here from, you know, a positive thing is Carey Price, we we don't know. And this is, uh, there's a couple of quotes here. And Ken Hughes mentioned that Carey Price's knee is not 100%. They don't know what's next. And when asked to be played his last game for the Canadians, Kent Hughes looked at it and said, I can't answer that question right now, which in and of itself is... Uh, it's a little bit scary. And then Carey Price himself had a bunch of quotes saying he's getting continual swelling and his knee's not 100%. He says, I could not do 55 to 60 games anymore. It's not sustainable for a whole season, especially at his age. And if his knee condition stays the same going in the season, Carey Price thinks he won't be able to come back. And he talked about, I prepared for this game against Florida like it was my last game ever. And if that was it, it was a great way to do it. And I am not mentally prepared or well enough to imagine the Montreal Canadiens without Carey Price in the organization somehow. He's been here 17 years since he was drafted in 2005, where Pierre Maguire infamously said it wasn't a good fit. 17 years and a buttload of trophies and medals later, I think it worked out pretty well. And he says, but... 
I think the biggest quote out of all of this is Carey Price says, I am not giving up. You and I both know Carey Price. Obviously, after this long, he's not one to not try and get back. But if his knee's not there for it, what are you going to do? Sometimes your body just goes, that's it. It's it's over and it's done with. Shea Weber's finally did that. Carey Price is, you know, he's right on that edge there. I have no doubts that I think he's going to do everything in his power to be ready for camp. But it just feels like this lingering cloud all summer now. And I, I am very sad that they will not have gotten him that Stanley Cup that he so very much deserved. He won every individual award he could, but that's the last thing here. And to be that candid and open about it, uh, I really have to admire that because it's very easy to be the highest paid guy on the team, one of the highest paid players in your position in the NHL, and to go, I might not be able to play anymore. And if I do, I cannot play the way that I used to. That's player growth and everything else. It's it's going to be a very interesting summer with Carey Price. I agree. And this is the thing is that, you know, I thought that people were just, you know, talking about his retirement prematurely and all of that. But I think, you know, every day you learn more, right? And and hearing him talk, it feels like he's doing the right thing for himself, which I think is so important, is that if he if his knee's not going to work, if he can't play at a high level, then he's not going to play. And that, that makes me really sad, obviously, because <laughs> he, he said it himself. Being a Montreal Canadian is part of my identity. And I just, I think that there's so many things about that, right? Like he's one of the longest tenured goaltenders in the league. He's also one of the longest tenured Montreal. I think he, he has played the most games um, as a goaltender in the Montreal Canadiens, right? Uh, he is definitely like a huge part of the history and the fabric of this organization. And I think that he likes that. He likes being the best goaltender in the world. He likes being one of the top goaltenders in the world. He likes, you know, even even with his game declining, he still has those those those, those magical saves that he does. He likes that. He likes being part of this market. Like, you know, with all of the, the stuff that they've put him through, he's weathered it and he said that he wants to come back. And I really just think that the, it, it, it's the fact that he hasn't won a Stanley Cup. If he had won a Stanley Cup last year, it would have been a, all right, I'm ready to retire. I think that is is part of it. He says, I'm a fighter. I'm a claw. I've always been that and I'm not going to give up. I think he wants to come back, but I think he's smart enough now to realize because there's a lot of players where they'll try too much, they'll do too much, and then they'll put themselves in more jeopardy or their, 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 you know, their future will be a little bit more in question. But he's smart enough to know that if his knee's not 100%, and he said that he didn't rule out another surgery, like... If another surgery would fix it, then he's willing to do it, right? He wants to come back. I, I don't think that, you know, doesn't sound like the kind of guy like mentally he wants to leave. It's just physically he might not be able to come back. And that just, that breaks my heart even more, uh, to be honest. And so I'm going to be really, really sad. We were always going to be sad when the, when Carey Price's last game in Montreal was played. But I'm going to be really, really sad that if that was it and it didn't include a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and obviously we will keep you all updated with what's going on with that as we get through the offseason. Uh, normally on Monday, we do our three up and three down segment, but with locker cleanout day and everything, we thought it was best to push that off to Tuesday. We're going to do a full season of three up, three down, who is up for the season, who is down for the season, and any other news and notes that have happened in the coming days. Uh, as always, thank you so much for following. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Keep track of that. We're going to start having draft profile stuff coming out soon. 
You can follow Laura at the active stick, myself at Scott Mala, and the uh, show at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter.com. We're gearing up for the Lavelle Rocket playoffs. We're going to have plenty of that and so much more. And when you're done checking us out, please check out Lockdown NHL. They're going to have playoff roundtables, previews, and everything else from all of our local experts. So please, please, please check them out as well. We will see you all next time.